Welcome to Tabernacle of Praise, Church of God in Christ, where we believe in encouraging, empowering, and equipping people to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us now as we enter into our worship experience. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and your life. Tabernacle of Praise Church, Sanctuary Choir. God is my all in all. I want to go very quickly to the Word of the Lord. And if you're if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the 11th chapter of St. John? If you don't, for some reason, have Bible app on your phone or physical Bible in your possession. Uh, let's praise the Lord for the technology we have here at Tabernacle of Praise Church. Man, it should come up very shortly behind me if it's not there already. Verses 1 through 6 is the passage of Scripture that we'll use in order to try to have a conversation on this morning. St. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Man, I still hear that echoing in my spirit. God is the joy and the strength of my life. He moves all pain, misery, Strife, he promised to keep me, never to leave me. And God has never come short of his word. Amen. What a blessing. Yes. Oh, God. Let's go on, else we'll not get out of that, huh? Praise the Lord. If you have St. John chapter 11, say amen. I invite you to read along with me the first six verses. Let's begin. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus, when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. I could go on with that story and reading scripture, but 
many of us know it and I'll refer to it from time to time, but uh, I want to extrapolate a thought out of verse 4 and hopefully be able to apply it to our lives, our situations. The word of the Lord here says when Jesus heard that, when he heard what? That, that Lazarus was sick, okay? That Lazarus had an issue, okay? He told his disciples that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, what you're going through is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Find another neighbor before we pray and tell them what you're going through is not going to kill you. What you're going through is not going to take you out. But God is going to get the glory out of this. Precious Father, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you for your goodness, your loving kindness, your tender mercies. We thank you, Lord, that your eye is on the sparrow. God, and you're watching over us. Hallelujah. You're watching over the word that you've spoken over our lives to perform it that no weapon that's formed against us would prosper. Hallelujah. But those that live godly will suffer persecution, but those that live godly will come out victoriously in the name of Jesus. Touch somebody now and encourage them to hold fast to what they have because it's going to be a blessing in the end. God, we praise and magnify you in advance. Hallelujah, you said in your word, those that suffer with you will reign with you. Hallelujah, this is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And for this we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Presence of the Lord. I solicit your prayers. Our text today, as we're looking at it, amen, we're looking at Christianity from a personal perspective. A situation has arisen here, and I would deem it as a family crisis. You know, like when somebody in your house is going through, it has a way of affecting everybody in the house. It's not just their deal by themselves. It has an impact on you, and so it becomes family crisis. And sometimes family crises are unavoidable, inescapable. Uh, it happens, I believe, at some point in time into every home. There arises an issue. There arises a problem. There arises a calamity. There arises some drama. And it's so gripping and so personal that it weighs very heavily on you. 
and sometimes it doesn't matter that you have a certain commitment to the Lord. When these times come, hallelujah, they are inescapable. You just have to be able to bear it. And sometimes it feels like, amen, your very salvation weighs in the balance because it has the ability, depending on what it is, uh, to tax the very spiritual essence of who you are. It challenges your faith to be able to find God in the midst of what it is that you're going through. And, and as we see here, the, the, there's a great that there's a great problem that's taking place. And, and to be able to understand and know as we, as we apply this to our everyday lives that there's a difference uh, in seeing God in times of normalcy, in times of the regular everyday Glory to God. And then seeing God, hallelujah, and uh, when you're in the throes of a struggle. As a matter of fact, we pray differently. Okay? We pray more intently and intensely when there's a personal problem than, than we do when everything is going pretty smooth. We turn on the nightly news those of us that turn on the nightly news and we see and hear of the unrest everywhere whether it be in our country or whether it be in somebody else's country we turn on the news and we hear about the problem the the health challenges that are taking place in China okay um but we don't respond to it to the point of being of laying down on our face before God and beating the floor and the carpet, hallelujah, and telling God we need uh, him to come through for deliverance. But when trouble comes, trouble has a way of getting our attention. When trouble comes knocking at your door, hallelujah, see, it, it's one thing to have trouble in the city. It's another thing to have trouble in the community. But when there's trouble in your house, okay, it, uh, 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 all, the, all the situations change. You're not as fervent when it's somebody else as, it is, as you are when it's you. How do you escape, however, from you? Where do you try to get away from your problems? How do you escape your struggles and your crisis? Okay, now that I've got your attention. Okay, I, I, and I know that you're anointed and you're a spiritual dynamo and you have these positive confessions and I realize that you are a certain place in the Lord and your vesture and your status with God, hallelujah, would, would, would cause people to think that if you just trust God that everything is going to work out just fine. But, but let me just say something. It, it, it is, it, trouble is a strange bedfellow. And regardless of your position, in life, regardless of the prestige of your title, 
regardless of how spiritual you think that you are, there are still moments in your life where you might say like the Apostle Paul, I have been pressed above measure, hallelujah, above the strength that I have. And, then I, and, I, and, and, and there's such despair, hallelujah, in my life until I wonder, God, where in the world are you? And you may never choose to discuss this subject with anyone. Man, you may choose to put on a smile, amen, when you see certain people coming, amen, or when we're in conversation, glory to God, you get real spiritual and start quoting scripture or sing a song. But behind all of our forms of religiosity, okay, I just want you to know that I'm not deceived. I know God said he, he's not deceived. I'm not deceived because I realize that trouble is not prejudice. Just touch your neighbor and tell you trouble doesn't care who you are. At some point in time in your life, L. Brown, trouble is going to show up at your door. It is going to show up uninvited. Just sooner or later, and trouble will come. Trouble is, it doesn't have discrimination. It doesn't care if you're the bishop or the usher. It is it's not that discriminating. It doesn't care if you're the CEO of a company or you're the security guard. Every now and then, life will present things in your house that will get your attention. And when there is a problem in your house, it generally affects everybody in your house. There is a problem here in the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it did not arise while the Lord was present. But it came, you know, while he was away. And I want to I want to park there for a moment, if you will allow me, okay? Because, see, there are some things that the devil won't try when the point man is at home. There are some things the devil won't try when the prayer warrior is on duty. He will wait until that person is, is away or distracted and then he'll hit with a surprise attack. Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. Not while you were fervent in prayer, not while you were the watchman on the wall, but when, when you decide to relax a little bit, hallelujah, and decide, hallelujah, I am going to look in a different direction, then here he comes. He will wait until you're going through a crisis. He will wait until there's a low moment in your life, a time of depression, a time of discouragement, a time when things are not going quite right with you and everybody in the house. He'll come when there's a time when you start feeling isolated. Then here he comes. These were people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that entertained Jesus in their house. 
they cared for Jesus. They made a spot for him when he was traveling and coming through. He could stay at their house. He didn't have to go to a hotel or inn or anything like that. He could stay with them. They fed him. They had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet with all of that intimacy, with all of that care, it did not exempt them from trouble. And there are a couple of things that you ought to know right here. That no matter how much you love God, no matter how, how intently you serve God, no matter your worship level or your commitment to him, you can still have a problem in your house. If you serve God long enough, you will run into something. It's not an indictment on the, uh, your level of intensity for the love of God. And so don't allow the enemy to make you think that if you were really saved, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go through this kind of trouble. But I came to let the devil know that he's a liar. And I'm not deceived at the lie that he's telling. Secondly, let me say that Mary laid a good foundation. See, you've got to be able, and, and many people don't do this, but you've got to be able to do some behind-the-scenes work. What do I mean by that? I mean, you've got to do what, what they call preventative maintenance before the problem occurs. Okay? Uh, you've got to be like the ant, you know, that works real hard. Okay? During the, during the good times so that when the lean times come, uh, he's got enough to hold him over. We've got to be able to, 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 to lay up and store up, uh, hallelujah, prayers and, and service, uh, hallelujah, and commitment to God. In the good times, uh, hallelujah, we can't isolate ourselves uh, and just do the bare minimum, uh, hallelujah, and think that that would be enough. You've got to serve God. Uh, you've got to have a relationship with God when everything is going real good. You've got to be able to store away some praise. You've got to be able to store away some Bible study. Hallelujah. And so in the good times, you've got to be able to do that because you've got to prepare for war in the peace times. You can't wait for war to come to start getting ready for war. You've got to do, you've got to do some exercises ahead of time before it's coming because you've got to anticipate that the enemy will come. That's why you see us praising God like we do. You think we're just going overboard. You think we're just being eccentric and exotic and everything else. No, no, no. Some folk realize what well, they've been through hell before. And they realize what you got to do. Hallelujah. Before you hit that spot again, you know it's coming again. And you've got to decide, I'm going to lay up in store for myself. I'm going to praise God now. I'm going to pray, hallelujah, through over in the Holy Ghost now so that when the tough times come, I won't fall out. Understand that before you make 
a withdrawal out of the bank, you've got to make some deposits. I hope this makes sense to you spiritually. See, some of us, um, okay, all, all we've been doing when we're praying ahead of time is praying down miracles when we need them. We've been making a down payment, hallelujah, on the healing because we realize that sickness may come in a moment. So every time you see us shouting, every time you see me giving God the glory, every time you see me praising and magnifying God opening up my mouth, I'm not just doing it because I don't have anything else to do. Touch somebody and tell them my praise is a deposit. My praise is a deposit. Uh, what I'm doing when I'm praising God uh, is I'm collecting dividends. Uh, hallelujah. I am strengthening my annuities. Uh, I'm going, uh, I'm gaining interest uh, and splitting stocks because I realize that the day is coming. So that in times of trouble, I can say, hear my cry, dear God. And be attentive unto my plea. And that's why I'm not bashful when it comes to praising God. And I don't let anybody intimidate me. I don't care where I am. I don't care what, ser what service it is. Hallelujah, I praise God when I get ready. I don't have to wait for a certain song. I don't have to wait for a praise team. I don't have to wait, hallelujah, for a prayer leader or anybody else. When I, since I need to praise and magnify God, that's what I do. I feel like praising him right now. Hallelujah. I just want to say I thank God for a praise. I thank God because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I realize there are some people that, uh, that think that it's important uh, hallelujah, to be cool and to be reserved. Uh, don't let anybody know, uh, hallelujah, that you are fanatic. But I cry out to God and spare not because I see guys hollering at TVs. And the TV can't heal them. And the program can't save them. So excuse me if I cry out to the God of the universe. Because if it had not been for my praise sometime, I would have cracked under pressure. Hallelujah. If it had not been for my praise, hallelujah, sometime the enemy would have depressed me. Because sometimes I didn't have all the resources uh, that I needed. I didn't have all the help that I needed. But the one thing that I did have uh, is I had my praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't fool with me. Bless the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every time I think 
about how good God has been to me. I just want to praise him. Hey, my God. I don't care what the devil is saying. I just want to let somebody know that Jesus said, I haven't forgotten you. You might be going through a storm right now, but the Lord says, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you because I remember your worship. I remember your praise. I remember when you didn't have anything, you would still praise me. I remember your commitment. I remember your service. I remember your tenacity. I don't know who this is for, but, but I just want you to know that Jesus remembers. He remembers every prayer that went up. He remembers, hallelujah, how you went, how you did when you didn't, when you didn't feel like it. Yes. God said, I remember every tear. Another thing that needs to be mentioned is the faith that you need when it seems like God is not there. When it, the, the faith you need when, when it doesn't appear that God is doing what you thought that he should do. Okay? See, in our testimony services, we, all, we are careful, and with good reason, to testify and praise God for what he's doing and for what he's done. First, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life, to this one, that one, and the other one. Amen. I thank God for watching over me while I slept, for waking me up this morning. I thank God for saving me and sanctifying me and filling me with the Holy Ghost. I thank God for how he's healed my body, how he's delivered me, how, how he set me free from this, that, and the third thing, and hallelujah, and I thank God for the new job and the new promotion, and I thank God because there was a check in the mail that I wasn't expecting, and, and we testified in, to God with good reason, but I was wondering, when is the last time we testified and praised God about what he didn't do? See, we, you don't get many people, amen, to testify like that. So let's look at this story. This story, and let's look at it from the perception of Mary and Martha. See, you can't sit here and act like every request that you have ever made from the Lord, that the Lord as soon as he heard your prayer, as soon as he heard your petition, got up, peered over the banister of heaven, 
got your attention and did what you wanted him to do right away. Okay? Let me first try to explain why God doesn't do what you want him to do all the time. Okay, because sometimes, and I know that you have too, sometimes I have prayed, and I prayed with urgency. I told God it's an emergency. Didn't you see that I dialed 911? And mother, it seemed like God didn't hear anything I had to say. There was nothing. I'm not talking about there was a response that, hold on, let me put you on hold. There was nothing. As a matter of fact, it seemed like he must have had L. Brown call an ID. And when he saw it was me, he wouldn't even pick up the phone. What do you do when God doesn't say anything? When there's a crisis and an emergency in your life and you need to hear from God right away and there's no answer. And I hate to make God look bad, but sometimes it's hard to figure God out. I understand as a minister that it's my job, amen, to represent Jesus Christ on earth. That's my job. And it's my job as priest, to his job as priest to represent me in heaven. And I feel like I could have gotten God off the hook if he had been like uh, I was on my way to you, you know, like he was with Jairus' daughter, I was on my way to you, but, but Sister Long grabbed me. Okay, I, I can understand that. Okay, because stuff like that happens. It happened to me. I'm on my way somewhere, and somebody else determines I've got a real emergency that's more important than the place that you was going, and so I make a detour, and I go over there because th that's what we're supposed to do. Because... You know, he was on his way to Jairus' daughter's house, and Jairus said, my daughter is sick. But the other woman came and pulled on him, said, I got an issue of blood. I, 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 she's young. I'm, I'm getting ready to die now. <laughs> and so I would want to defend him, okay? But nobody interrupted him on his way to go see about Lazarus. Nobody interrupted him. He, he didn't have nothing to do. And the other part about that is where he was, okay, was less than a day's journey to Bethany. He didn't have anything going on. He told the disciples, we're just going to hang out here a couple more days. He wasn't healing anybody. He wasn't attending the marriage. 
There was no funeral uh, uh, procession for him to hold up. Sometimes God can be so calm when we are pulling our hair out. Sometimes God can sleep on the boat when everybody else is witnessing the possibility of the boat capsizing. Okay? Because God doesn't always get nervous every time we get nervous. As a matter of fact, God never gets nervous because he knows that he has things under control. Um, I, I, I'm struck by a few other passages of scripture here in this, in this, in this book. In verse 11 it says, These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. Okay, if you ever get to a point to where you want to understand the Lord on a more intimate level, I will suggest to you, because this is what I found, is that you have to become more spiritual. You've got to really be in tune to God to understand his point of view. Okay, to understand that we are men, humans, and he's God. Okay, he says that my thoughts are as far above your thoughts as the heavens are the earth. Okay, and so, so if we become spiritual, I believe that the Lord will allow us, even when we're dealing with each other, Amen. To be able to really see through smiles and actually understand, hallelujah, when we see somebody that's hurting. To be able to see through facades and, 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 and other words that try to encourage you to look in a different direction when we realize that there's an issue that's standing right before us. And they said to him, if Lazarus is asleep, he does well. And so God, Jesus had to explain to them, glory to God, that Lazarus is dead. And he says, but for your sakes, I'm glad that we didn't go right away. To the intent that you might believe, okay, that I'm able to do anything because these things are spiritually discerned, and so you can't be carnal. And so Jesus and the boys, they finally arrive uh, in Bethany four days after Lazarus' departure. By then, they have Buried him, mummified him, had the funeral service, had the repast, went over the insurance policies. And then here comes Jesus. Okay. Now we got, Lester's got two sisters. He's got a type A sister, and he's got a type B sister. And I'll give you one guess as to which sister showed up first. The type A sister shows up 
and the type A sister shows up and she forgets who she's talking to. Because that's what type A's do. They forget who you are. And Martha says to Jesus, and you got to have an imagination because none of us is there, but, but I, I'm married to a type A personality. And, and and I know there was some neck action in there. She says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Hold the phone. I sent you word several days ago. And you didn't even respond. You never said anything. He's been dead for four days. Now here you come. What took you so long anyway? Why did you just take your time after all we've done for you? Oh, you know he got an ear for. When you were hungry, we were there. When you were tired, we got up out of our own beds and we made a place for you in a room. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It, it was my sister that sat at your feet. When your feet hurt. Oh, she's got a good memory. Type A's do. They can remember stuff from years and record and rehearse it back to you, regurgitate it with, with great specificity. Won't miss, won't miss one part of it. Now here you come. The funeral is over. And you didn't even show up in time for the funeral. So what Jesus had to do for Martha is he had to build up Martha's faith again. He had to get her to start talking faith because she was just talking frustration. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. He says to her, he'll rise again. Martha says unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection. He's saved. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. See, sometimes we can go through so much until we forget who God is. And somebody has to get us to start speaking faith again. 
So much stuff has happened and so many things have transpired until you stop speaking faith. But I come today to try to get you to start speaking faith again. And so Jesus told her, I am the resurrection. He kind of shuts Martha up. At that time, they have summoned for Mary. And look at the difference between how Mary comes out and how Martha came out. Mary comes out to meet him. She's in the house. They have hired professional mourners uh, to mourn with Mary. Okay? Mary is the type B personality. She doesn't get mad first. She, she's, she cries. She's emotional about this to the point to where she feels a certain way. And so she gets up and goes out of the house to, to, to meet with the Lord Jesus. And the mourners are there. And they misunderstand the purpose for her getting up and leaving. They thought that she was getting ready to go down to the sepulcher to, so that she could shed some more tears. Glory to God. And the word of the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you all to be careful who you allow around you when you're going through. You don't want anybody just to help you to keep crying to help you to keep complaining, to help you to stay unfaithful and un, un, unbelieving because they'll help you to focus in on the sorrows and the aggravation and the stuff that, that, you, that, that, that you believe in that moment that God can't do. So, see, it becomes our duty, our responsibility to help people reconcile back to God. It's my job to remind you not how bad things are. It's not my job to, to rehearse to you how depressing things are and how hopeless things might seem. But it's my job to offer you a gut check and ask you a question. And the question is, is there anything too hard for God? See, I need to get you to start thinking, uh, hallelujah, is there anything that's too hard for God to do? Uh, all you got to do sometimes is hit memory recall uh, and remember how God brought you through the first thing, uh, how he brought you through the second thing. Uh, hallelujah, when you were down and out, uh, when you were disgusted and busted, uh, how God raised you up, uh, how he established you so when you come to the next thing, you don't fall out. When Mary gets to Jesus, she doesn't have one hand on her hip and one finger in his face. The Bible says that Mary cast herself down at Jesus' feet, which is a sign of abasement, which is a sign of self-respect self-respect and respect for the other person. It's also a sign of brokenness and what she lacked in words she made up for in tears. 
Mary said less than Martha, but wept more. And sometimes unspoken expressions have the ability to speak louder than those expressions that you say. So Jesus is four days late. And just because it seems like he is delayed, it doesn't mean that what he has for you, whoever I'm talking to, is denied. Yes, you need to tell somebody, you need to start speaking now. Glory to God, just tell somebody that I'm coming out of this. Just tell them, I'm coming out of this. Put yourself in Lazarus' shoes and just say to somebody, I'm coming out of this grave. What I'm really saying is the enemy is thinking that, that he has left you for dead, huh? but God is saying, I am going to raise you up. I'm not going to let the thing take you out. Huh? I am going to re I'm going to release. I am going to give you relief from this. After Mary finished crying, Jesus started crying. That told me something else. That reminded me that we have not a high priest. We cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The Bible said that Jesus wept. And he went from weeping to start making declarations. And God is getting ready to make a declaration over somebody's life because he didn't let you go through what you're going through so that it might take you out. But this was done for the glory of God. The Lord says, show me where you buried him. And they take him to where Lazarus was buried. And they asked them to remove the stone away from the place. They removed the stone away from the place. And what I like about God is that the Lord didn't have to go into the tomb to get him out. And that reminded me that the word of God is powerful. The word of God is sharp. The word of God is quick. And if you can rehearse the word of God, it'll work for you. Jesus had to be careful. I like talking about this part. He had to be careful, Elder Thomas, because Lazarus was in there with some other guys. And so Jesus had to be careful. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He couldn't just use a blanket statement, come forth, or else you'd had an army of corpses. But he says, Lazarus, come forth. Okay? And just let me kind of paint this picture for you because I believe that Lazarus is laying down. Lazarus is bound up. He's wrapped up all up from head to toe. And under normal circumstances, he would not be able to get up by himself, and for God's sake, he wouldn't be able to walk. 
But how many know that when the word of God comes at you, God bless you. When God speaks a word over your life, uh, he makes the impossible possible. And let me just use my imagination, glory to God, while Lazarus is laying there, hallelujah, the word of God comes into his place where he is, uh, hallelujah, and I'm, uh, I'm thinking now that, that Lazarus is dead and he's there with all the other dead people, but they've got the, the ability to communicate. And when the Lazarus hears the Lord's voice saying, Lazarus, come forth, he tells the other guys, I can't stay here. I hear the Lord calling my name. Okay. And some way, somehow, he writes himself vertically. And he probably had to shuffle over there to the opening. You got to have an imagination if you're going to do this. And you got to be able to paint pictures for other people. So when you leave, I mean, you leave understanding to some degree what must have happened. Because it puts you there. What I really want to say, though, that was Lazarus. But the Lord is saying to somebody, my word is coming to get you out. Okay, this was what happened to you was not meant to kill you. It was not meant to destroy you. It was not meant to take you out, but this was for the glory of God. And the Lord is saying, I don't care who you are, how deep you're into it, how hopeless the situation looks. God says, I am getting ready to get glory out of what you're going through. I am going to get the glory out of it. I am going to give you the victory. Uh, you're going to come out shouting. Uh, you're going to come out praising God. Uh, but I am going to get the glory out of what you are going through. Whoever you are, I want you to come right here. I want to pray. I want to agree with you right now. Thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more info about our church, visit us on our website at www.topchurchlv.com. We hope this message encouraged you to know you can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us next week for another sermon to uplift your spirit.